Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Chizo. And I'm on tonight with a pistol, mate. It's fantastic to have you on a, a Monday night podcast, mate. How are you going? <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't they be on the Monday night podcast, uh, Chizo? Well, that's the thing. I haven't been listening. I don't know if you've been throwing shade or anything like that. I've just permanently kind of blocked it. Hit the unsubscribe button so they don't download onto my iPad of a morning. And just, I don't want to hear the shade because you guys can be really mean when you want to be. Oh, I don't think uh, we've done anything wrong, Chizo. But look, it is nice to have uh, the Prince back on the podcast. And hopefully you'll uh, be giving us some some good pep talks this week. (laughs) Look... I've been out bush. I've had no phone reception. I turned the notifications off Twitter. I didn't want to hear anything about AFL or Supercoach from the start of round one and everything went pear shape. Cruiser did two ACLs at once and I was just like, nah, don't want to hear about it. Blanket, just a blanket ban on everything to do with Supercoach. Uh, went and enjoyed Easter, uh, but I'm back, Pistol. And now that I've had a proper look at my team, I'm kind of feeling like a little bit like Connor McKenna, like some of the choices I made, maybe I've bitten off more than I can chew, and I'm thinking that there's uh, a few little, uh, did you like that one? There's a few little uh, things that I need to fix. I've copped literally, literally every injury or laid out or whatever you can possibly think of, and we've got even more issues this week. I've got Gaz and Liam Ryan that I've got to worry about. It's all over the place, Pistol. I, I need your guidance tonight, mate. How's your team going? Yeah, no, my team's been going quite well. It's, it's been unfortunate that all three of us uh, have been copying the Toby Green injury, so we're all playing a primo down. But yeah, we're, we're all around the 10K mark, so um, that's not too far from it when you consider Green's going to have to come back in, and we have Dangerfield as well. So um, it hasn't been too bad of a start, except for you copying literally every injury. I, I think you had four forward line <laughs> injuries um, this week, so... Yeah, you're playing significantly down compared to the rest of the competition. Well, let's just think about this. I had Toby Green, I had James Sicily, I've got Liam Ryan, Zach Langdon, I've got Gaz that I need to deal with now. I've had Cruiser as a late out that I was literally, I'm not even, this is not figurative, this is literal. I was in the outback on a dirt road with no reception, no idea whether he was going to be a late out. Always thought um, that I was going to have to move him on, but I was just waiting for that. Didn't even, it didn't cross my mind I was not going to have reception pistol and then everything went pear-shaped. So I've literally costed uh, myself so many points already this year just um, running around the countryside. Um, But what it did mean is that I did have to donate to the Cancer Council because as you know, Pistol, every year I donate for every donut that I have and it's something that I've got going. And so Cruiser was my first uh, donation to the Cancer Council this year. And uh, two rounds in, uh, three rounds in, Pistol, we're almost up to $600 already and over three and a half grand over the last uh, 24 months, mate. It's been fantastic work and uh, hopefully I don't have to donate any more. So we'll jump straight into the uh, the first game of the round, which was uh, Carlton and Collingwood. You would have been pretty happy when you saw the, uh, the scoreline at the end of the game. A lot of people had Collingwood falling to Carlton because they always seem to bring the intensity, bring the heat when they play the Magpies. Look, I wouldn't have been surprised if we had lost, but I was very, very, very pleased and relieved uh, to get the big win. Hopefully, it can you know kickstart our our season proper. Even though we've got you know quite a tough five week draw, um, hopefully we can put some pressure on the top sides. And it was you know exciting to see um, the midfielders. It was actually the midfielders kicking the goals, but it was exciting to see Buckley's tactics working, which um, I'm sure brings a smile to all the Collingwood supporters' faces. 
And that's the thing. It's probably the first time in recent memory we can say that Nathan Buckley has decided to actually change things up. It's 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 one of the um, banes of the, his existence for a lot of fans and uh, AFL supporters alike is that he's just supporting a system that has never seemed to work. And even with um, the prodigal child, Mason Cox, only putting up a 38, they were able to rotate different people to do different roles. And we saw um, Adam Trelaw playing a lot more forward and he still was able to turn up compared to his usual inside mid role. Yeah, I mean, he that's it's worrying signs for fantasy owners when he's playing, you know, over 50% time on ground on the forward line. But Possibly good for next year, Supercoach 2019. I would not mind being able to picture Law as a forward eligible player. And you know that uh, Collingwood are playing a friendly game or kind of a game plan that suits their style when you've got the likes of Grundy, Sidebottom, Crisp, Pendles, Trelaw. Uh, you could even throw a, a Josh Thomas this year after his preseason role in midfield, all sitting right at the top of the leaderboard. You know the right people are in the right spots, getting the right amount of ball, and it's just uh, the rest of the 22 that have to work to you know fill in those gaps. They have the stars. It's about filling in those gaps. Whereas in the first two rounds, uh, uh, I kind of saw every chance they got they were trying to hit Mason Cox lace out and you know only probably one in five is actually going to take you know clunk that mark and not get it rebounded so uh, it, it's interesting to see that that was happening and uh, one of the things that was uh, relieving for, for me Pistol obviously uh, Cruiser wasn't a laid out this week even though his name the, it's it really frustrates me when teams name someone they know is, is going to be out like we were hearing whispers all week that he is absolutely going to be an out we don't know why he was named it's, it's not like an opposition is going to be, oh, no, Matty Cruz is out. We are so confused. We have done no planning whatsoever. If you know <laughs> he's out, just, you know, there's absolutely no point picking him thinking he might get up. He was in. He was almost not getting picked in round three because he was still struggling that injury. How was he going to be making it for round two? So that's something that um, really, really frustrated me, like even if he wasn't in my side. Um, and we saw good performances again from Cade Simpson and Paddy Cripps. How did you like them in the third game here, uh, Pistol? They obviously saw a lot more marks in the forward line for Collingwood, so they weren't having those opportunities to rebound quite as much in a, a, for Cade Simpson, for example. You happy with their output? Yeah, I'm definitely very pleased. I mean, Cade Simpson takes the kick-ins most of the time. I know he didn't take one of them, but Collingwood only had four behinds, which is incredibly rare. Um, to only kick four behind. So there's just not that many kicking opportunities for Simpson. And he scored very well anyway with a 97. So he looks solid. He looks primed to be a top three defender this year. So um, pretty pretty pleased if you've got him in your team. And on uh, Cripps, I'm not as pleased about. I mean, he didn't get his 20 contested possessions and it really hurt his scoring. He only scored a 92 which is good as your floor, um, because I didn't think he played particularly well. He gave away four free kicks um, and had five, uh, sorry, eight clangers, which is, you know, a lot. Um, So I'm kind of on the fence as to whether I think he's still going to be a top 10 midfielder. Um, Obviously, his first two rounds, you'd be thinking, yes, he would be, but I'm not sure 20 contested possessions minimum is uh, sustainable throughout the whole the whole season but there were some other good super coach performances Chizo Zach Fisher has been very good um, in the first two weeks and had another solid 76 so he looks like he's going to be a successful forward mid-pricer and then you've got on the other end of the spectrum you've got Paddy Dow who still has a break even of positive 24 so even though he went up minimally this week um, he's looking like he's not going to be a great cash cow and might have to be downgraded in the coming weeks Chizo. 
Yeah, I think if you do have him in your side now, it's the opportunity to try and find someone. Mate, you know, we've got like the Higgins coming up in a couple of weeks. Maybe you're looking at a, a, a crowd in this week um, that you could possibly move him onto because we, he just doesn't have the scoring capacity at this stage. And that's what we always say about these high price premiums, uh, like as a, a rookie premium, for example, is that if they don't have the scoring potential, then you can't pick him. The reason that a lot of us have, um, say, Brayshaw on our side is we saw that preseason that he was getting a lot of tackles. He was um, he looked to have that scoring potential, which is why he's in a lot more sides. So if you did have Paddy Dow, um, I'd be looking in the next couple of weeks to be trying to moving on because I'm not seeing much more growth there. Someone that does seem to have a lot of growth is Jared Gartlett. I know he's only putting up 64s and things like that. He's got a, 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 an average of only f- uh, 54 so far. Pistolwood, he's got a break even of negative six. So he's per- projected to go up 27K this week, which is exactly what we want from Gartlett. And there's a lot of us that have to field him, uh, field him on our side, me in particular with all the forward line injuries that we've had here, Pistol. Yeah, he's doing just enough, and he only kicked a goal, and surely there's going to be a game um, close to like in round one where he kicked two goals in the first quarter where he just you know kicks three goals, gets 15 touches, and ends up with like a 75 or, or 80 even, and that might really, really boost um, his price, and then you just ditch him a couple of weeks after that. But I think the standout rookie in this game is Sam Murray for Collingwood. He scored a 95. He was awesome. Collingwood looked to to get the ball into his hands so he could just break the lines, take a couple of running bounces. Um, He did what he wanted, basically, 21 possessions, and he used it really well, 81% disposal efficiency. And that's something that's not going to change. You'd be a bit worried if teams are going to tag him, but really Collingwood are going to be relatively, you know, the easy beats um, in the next couple of weeks with a slightly difficult draw. So I don't think that he's going to be targeted or they're really going to try and limit his run and carry because we probably won't be doing too much damage on the scoreboard but he should continue to score quite well so big positive um in that regard yeah, it, it certainly says a lot for his um, potential to influence a game if you're talking about uh, positively, uh, uh, potentially putting a, a forward tag on a guy in his fourth game. So um, still a negative break even of 39. I'd still probably ad- advocate someone uh, grabbing him if you're really, really struggling struggling because he, he seems to have a lot of growth there in him. And one of the things that I do want to touch on before we move on here, Pistol, is... Uh, Brody Grundy, even with Mason Cox in the side, is still putting up a 154, a three-round average of 130. He's already gone up 34K. We, you, JV, and I had a, I'd almost call it an argument, but brothers don't argue. We just kind of tussled that. <laughs> um, that he was just not going to score this year. Cox was going to play 22. I know he had one game without Mason Cox, but potentially we could see him break out and be that you know that number one ruckman in the competition that we all expect him to be at some point in the future we just probably didn't expect it to be this year well if he's getting 25 touches per game then he's going to have a good chance but he had a particularly good game he was probably best on ground so um yes he scored very well but i'd love to see it on a more regular consistent basis and then you know we can judge it from there but yeah. It's a Ruckman. Everyone probably already has two Ruckman, so it doesn't really mean much until the buy rounds anyway. Oh, you know, it would have been good if I could do something with Cruiser, but, you know, we'll pass that. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of irritable, Port Adelaide and Brisbane. There was barely a word that didn't have kind of a uh, an anger in, con- uh, you know, connotation to it attached to it when we were inboxing JB uh, on the Port Adelaide-Brisbane game. Fantastic. Only uh, uh, f- getting over the line by five points there, Port Adelaide. Uh, Steph Martin putting up a 154. I know a few people that did have the cruiser injury swap straight to Martin were let down a little bit last week, but he bounced back. 
But I don't think we can read too much into it here, Pistol, because he was the only ruckman on the ground for both sides. He was literally rucking by himself at some occasions. Yeah, yeah, he did well. I mean, he had 30 possessions, which is outrageous for a ruckman, as well as 49 hitouts. Like, he was going to score well um, irregardless. But it was good to see him scoring that well, even without Dane Beams, because you'd expect a couple of those hitouts to be sharks by a Port Adelaide, which incur a negative uh, penalty. Obviously, his hitouts to advantages could have been a bit higher, but there wasn't the strong ball winners um, for Brisbane in. Like, as I said, Dane Beams was out. But nevertheless, it's good promising signs for the future games ahead. We did see a little bit of an improvement by Dane Zorko. He hasn't uh, had a great start to the year, putting up a 92 this time. He's got a break haven of 129, so we should see him drop a little bit more cash. Another guy that we did see uh, bounce back a little bit here, Pistol, is Alex Withered, and I know you're happy that he performed well uh, because of our Dr. Supercoach Keeper League. 91, he seemed to be taking, uh, being a little bit more effective by foot, I think, over the first couple of rounds we saw him. Uh, kind of get inter- intercepted a little bit here. Um, and Cam Rayner, 63, is another one that we should uh, mention. As much as we haven't been uh, advocating over the preseason that people have him. He's put up a, a 63, his best score so far, break even of 38. Is it uh, due to all the uh, forward line carnage? I think we have to keep him here. Pistol, what do you reckon? Yeah, look, there's bigger fish to fry at the moment. Reynard, he's at least not going to go down in price. He probably should just hold his price and hopefully he gets better and better as the season progresses. I mean, I'm still worried that the, the kid's only got you know another nine touches, which I'm pretty sure is a career high at the moment. He's not a big ball winner. He won't be a big scorer, but there was definitely promising signs. A couple of good grabs running back into the, the forward 50 he, that, that were unreal. So, you know, he, he's got room to to build basically and with all the other injuries you kind of just have to give him time but I think Alan Christensen Chizo uh, the mid-pricer that most people started with in the forward line performs really solidly again another 74 coming off you know his his ton last week um, he got more midfield time because Beams was out I don't think that should be a regular thing obviously with Beams likely to come back in this week but he's going to make people money he's scoring well he's literally doing his job as the forward line mid-pricer and that's the one thing that I don't understand is that he's averaging 80.3 so far. He's got a break even of just six. Uh, projected a 99% chance of reaching that. Well, if you're Elliot Yo at three-quarter time, a few people would have been worried. Um, but that's the thing. This is the average that we expected from Alan Christensen. We've got people that are, you know, writing in, oh, why did you um, tell us that we should get Alan Christensen in, in our side? It's like, he's a good option. At an average of 80, 85, that's all you're expecting from a guy coming back after having basically two years off from surgery and missing games because of injury. So he's going to get better. We've already, he's In his first three games, he's already had uh, a ton already. So um, I'm perfectly happy um, the way that he's ticking along. Someone that does worry me uh, in his cash generation potential here, Pistol, is Dom Barry. Only putting up 39, an average of 48.3 so far. He does have a negative break even. I'm just worried about that he's going to uh, lose his spot in that side. I suppose suppose we really need to get uh, JB's opinion on this, uh, being such a Port fan. But he is starting to worry me. Yeah, I'm I'm very worried with Dom Barry as well. I mean, Pittard is in the mix to return. Uh, this week, which just means that, you know, there's another best 22 player that's going to come in if he returns via their SANFL, maybe. But um, it just means Don Barry's time is somewhat limited. I'm not sure how long he's got, but if he got dropped this very week, it really wouldn't surprise me. And then we're in a lot of trouble because he's basically made no money and we'd have to use a trade to get him out. So we really need him to play a couple more games and maybe do a bit better than the 30-90 squad this week. A couple of 60s would not hurt at the moment. 
Um, Chizo, what about the other rookie in the forward line, Todd Marshall? Um, he scored 69 this week. Last week, he, he scored very well. Um, he actually looks like one of those forward rookies that everyone just kind of ignored because he's this key forward, but he's actually scoring very well. He snuck up on a little bit, a little bit on us, hasn't he? Like he he's come at that uh, that slightly elevated price. I think he was around 170k, or, um, you know, 180 something like that when he first started. He's got a negative break even of, of just 18. But because he's playing in the forward line, you're on top of the table. You've got that um, that beast of a side at Port Adelaide that are just getting repeated entries. They're playing, um, you know, uh, teams like Brisbane. He's going to get potential. Uh, he's going to get ball and the potential to score is what I'm trying to say. So uh, I'd be interested to see if he stays when they um, in, in five six rounds time and they've got a a, a, a full um, amount of players to pick from. So um, it definitely one to keep an eye out because uh, he he's taking a little bit more uh, the taking a little bit more ball than Jack Watts. Um, which I, I found I found interesting. He's um, he's kind of come from the clouds for me. Pistol. Uh, another guy that I feel. Um, Kind of to the peer pressure, I'm going to say <laughs> that I uh, I went Norton to Bonner this week and uh, fielded him and ended up losing points on what I would have had if I had Norton because I would have had um, Finlayson on the field. Um, 68, he still played pretty well, so uh, we should be pretty confident that he's going to continue his role and uh, keep his spot on his side. Yeah, he gave away three free kicks, but the plus side is he had 22 touches, he had 18 kicks and 10 marks, 77% disposal efficiency is good. I thought he was solid, so I don't think there's anything to worry about. We'll see. I doubt Pittard in um, will affect him too much because they do like putting the ball into his hands and using his run off the halfback, and he didn't actually get to do that that much early in the game, but really built up towards it at the end of the game. Um, yeah, 22 touches and 10 marks. I mean, that's very solid for you know a guy in his fifth game or so, sixth game or whatever it is. Um, so nothing really to worry. Just it was his worst game of his career. Super coach. <laughs> points wise but the 68 is not too bad and hopefully next week he'll be you know scoring 80 plus um which would make everyone feel better that did that same Norton to bond trade as you because there were plenty sure so the next one i want to talk about tommy rockliffe who's obviously had a let's say pathetic start to the year compared to what we thought he was going to obviously he had that knee injury in the preseason played no JLT games or anything like that so he's kind of building his fitness up a little bit he's already lost fifty thousand dollars for those that did start with him he's only in two percent of teams but would you be advocating holding him till the buy which was going to be the plan or do you think it's just trying to cut and run get out of there as quick as you can i think you've got to cut and run at this stage i mean he's 453k He's lost 75,000. He's got a break even of 180. And he's averaging, Chizo, let me get this right. He's averaging Tom Rockliffe 48 points per game. Um, yep. That is insane. That is really insane. I mean, he's projected to lose another 48K. I mean, they're thinking he's going to bottom out at 340K. Would you ever, in your wildest dreams, predict that you'd be able to buy? Tom Rockliffe for 340k. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> just madness. I don't think he's been that price since his first year after about four games. So, <laughs> yeah, it, literally. It, it's what they say, uh, you know, buy low, sell high. That's uh, that's the aim of the game. So, uh, potentially could be a good upgrade around round 10 when he's got his full fitness and he's uh, he's hitting the ground running. At least that's what I'm hoping in our draft league. So, uh, we'll, we'll jump into the next game. Melbourne versus North Melbourne. Melbourne finally cracked the hoodoo over North, but it was looking a little bit sketchy. 
Um, Jesse Hogan is someone that I'm interested in, Pistol, because he's a completely different player to what I, ex- I expected him to be. I thought he was just going to be, you know, that centre-half forward, that that typical person that just uh, waits for the ball to come in, takes a, a few marks, gets goals. He works up the ground. He goes into ruck contests. He plays almost as another midfielder. He's The potential in this guy is ridiculous. Yeah, he's literally lining up at some centre bounces and playing through the midfield at times. It's ridiculous. He's a massive unit, and he's so, so good. Um, he's had big scores, but Chizo, is this the breakout year for Hogan? Like, if we if we say, oh, let's just wait and see a couple more weeks, are we going to have to be paying 500k plus for him and, and realize too late? Like, is it this obvious that he's scored 120 twice in a row, um, three games above 100? He's look, looking literally just like an unbelievable player and scorer. Are we going to miss the boat if we don't jump on him quickly? Or is it something where you have to say, look, it's a three-game sample size, he is a key forward. He is getting some stints, but is is it enough to be a top eight or so forward? Well, he's not a key forward anymore. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, he might be listed down on the team sheet as a key forward, but he's definitely not playing that key forward role. He plays it at certain points, but he is playing something is something completely different. He's almost a utility. Like, he is playing He's playing a 2018 role, something that, you know, in 2008, if he was at this stage of his career 10 years ago, that it didn't even exist. He wouldn't be playing this. And last year we had Kelly and we had Oliver, and particularly Oliver, like, you know, this is only his second year. He's going to run out of puff. Um, yeah, you know, We're all, all just kind of sta- staying clear because, you know, all the super coach knowledge that we have is that, you know, this never happens. No one's ever done this before. It's just going to drop off. It's not real. And then it turned out to be real. And then we're all going, wow, we need to learn from this. We've all been kind of sitting back in the preseason trying to pick, you know, the Crips or the Cornelio, who's going to be the, the guy that uh, that busts out and have this, this year that no one expects. Maybe we're looking in the wrong area. Maybe we shouldn't be looking in the midfield. Maybe we should be looking in the forward line at someone like Jesse Hogan. So he he's someone that I, I'm really, really interested in. But maybe we've already missed the boat. He's already gone up 50K. If you don't get him up this week, he's going to go up another another 50K. You've missed him if you haven't bought him in by this stage. I, I, you can't buy Jesse Hogan for 500000 in my opinion. and I can't see him sustaining 116 for the year because that's a midfielder's average. You don't see... Um, you don't see forwards doing that, um, not even Buddy Franklin. So he might have an absolute breakout year and be you know, top six um, forward and someone that we all have to have on our side. But we're going to know that in a few more rounds. I, th- I think uh, we probably wait a little bit on, on Jesse Hogan and see if it's, it, it's the real deal. That's just my opinion, I think, because I'm a little bit... I've got enough issues to worry about myself rather than going chasing uh, last week's points. You know what I mean? Like the old adage of you know chasing the car or you know chasing the money that everyone else is um, jumping on. So um, I'd definitely keep an eye on someone that we'll touch on now that we've uh, we've been pretty happy with over the uh, the first three weeks is Maxi Gorn here. Pistol. There's not much we really need to say about him. He's been absolutely fantastic. On the opposite side, his uh, opposite number fifty-seven from Goldstein. It was. Uh, just a, a, a almost a mirage or a, a deja vu, sorry, of the preseason game where Gorn absolutely smashed Goldie. Yeah, and I think it was there was a tweet or something saying that the hitouts to advantages while they were playing on each other was like twelve to one in favor of Gorn, and the hitouts like direct hitouts was like I can't even remember how high it was something to it was like 
47 to 13 or something like that. So Gorn literally just destroyed Todd Goldstein in this contest. Obviously, Goldie has been scoring particularly well um, in the first two rounds. So I expect him to bounce back, but it's just a lesson um, to look in the future where if your Ackerman is coming up against Gorn, don't be expecting big things. I think it's a pretty obvious lesson, but um, this was he, a, a massive example. Like Gorn, I haven't seen that sort of ruck domination over like a genuinely good ruckman in Goldstein just happen before. Potentially, it's something we need to look at on a Todd Goldstein aspect because I, I wouldn't say that he's come up against the greatest ruckman in the game so far in the preseason. I th- uh, in the season, I think Maxi Gorn has uh, got the mantle as the best ruckman going around in the league at the moment. I know there's um, a few guys that are shooting the lights out. I think that he's probably uh, uh, probably the best in my opinion. Is it something that we need to worry about Todd Goldstein that when he comes up against the absolute tippity top of the ruck? Uh, division in the AFL, say next week at Blunston Oval, he's got Matty Cruiser. Is there potential for him to kind of get touched up by these these good um, hit-out ruckmen? Um, maybe not Cruiser in that aspect because he's more of a, a, a pressure points um, uh, accumulator. But is it something we need to worry about in, in Todd Goldstein? Can can we see him hitting that 100, 100 average that everyone's expecting? I mean, he played very well against Wits, who's also a generally you know beast of a man. So um, I won't let this one game... Um, define whether Goldstein can compete against you know the top top ruckman, but I think Gorn might just be on another level entirely. So um, we could probably rule it out as an outlier and don't really have to worry about that. But Chizo, something that um, I don't know if it is an outlier or isn't an outlier. Michael Hibbard's start was a massive talking point over the first two weeks when he put out two mid seventies. He didn't get much of the ball this week. He, I don't think he played particularly well either watching the game, but he still managed to score a really solid 92 supercoach points, which sounds like good news to me. But what are your thoughts on the, the Michael Hibbert situation? Well, he, we, he saw... Uh, we saw his the the comments come out during the week that he was happy that Sam Frost was playing. I think the quote was um, he was happy to have Frost in the team because it might free him up a little bit, um, being able to get a bit more of that loose ball. I think that says everything that we need to know. We, we can interpret enough from that. He has been playing a little bit more close checking. He's not going to be um, – he hasn't been that guy that's just kind of using um, – the uncontested possessions and his disposal by foot to kind of help them rebound. We've seen Bernie Vince do that. We've seen Jordan Lewis do that. And funnily enough, they're scoring better than Michael Hibbard right now. So so it is a little bit disturbing in that aspect that even in a game where he seems to be freed up a little bit, he's only scoring 92 and he's not kind of collecting the ball. He's not having the kickouts that uh, we expect. And, you know, if uh, it's not like Dream Team. In Supercoach, you do get um, points for effective kickouts just as you've had an, an effective kick uh, around the ground. So you're not getting those kickouts. Um, you're not getting those free points, essentially, and like a, a Cade Simpson or something like that. So that's the one that interests me. I, I think the other big talking point that comes out of it is Clayton Oliver getting tagged. Um, he's obviously the go-to in that team, but it, uh, pretty much if your big premiums are coming up against North Melbourne, you've got to worry about uh, the the Ben Jacobs tag and potentially could be ruining a few captain scores here, Pistol. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think it was a lesson learned for Clayton Oliver. He did get two goals at the very end of the game, which really boosted his score. I mean, he was looking at you know a score around 50 and ended up scoring 75, so somewhat respectable in the in, in what it could have been, but. I think maybe we should be looking at, instead of who North Melbourne um, are playing that week and who they, they're going to tag, we should be looking at who, which premiums they could be tagging that we don't own and then try and target them after their price drop, you know, the two, three rounds after North Melbourne. 
um, and maybe we'll be able to get a, a sneaky primo that's just suddenly dropped in price. Like it would have been nice to have Clayton Oliver get tags in three weeks from now and be able to buy him a lot cheaper, but he's probably going to go back up in price by the time we're looking for that midfield um, premium upgrade. So yeah, maybe something just to think about. Um, I should say as well in the North Melbourne side, Sean Higgins didn't turn up. So JB, I know you're going to be listening, um, expecting to see that donation uh, coming in. And uh, Chizo, I think that means we should move on to the next game. Absolutely. So next game, Gold Coast Suns versus Frio. My boy Jared Lyons just absolutely blitzing the start to the year. Another 138 after putting up 152 last week. A key uh, point here, he was tagged in round one by Ben Jacobs to only 66. So that that just emphasizes um, how important he is to the Gold Coast Suns team. Uh, a very close, a very good game. Not close in the end, but I saw, while I was watching it, I, I just thought that the only difference between the, the, the first half between Frio and Gold Coast was Fife. He was just absolutely phenomenal pistol. And you can see why they give attention to him because he's almost at his Brownlow best. He's just going absolutely fantastic. And if you didn't start him, start him, you would be kicking yourself at this point, I think. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, after the first week, people considered actually trading out five, which Fife, which is which is pretty amusing now given his scores in the last two weeks, but he's just going to keep building as well. And when he is on the top of his game, he is literally unstoppable. He can do everything. He goes forwards. He he kicks goals. He takes big grabs. He's a delight to watch, but there's so many Fremantle relevant players to talk about cheese. I feel like we're going to be on this game for 10 minutes. So let's, let's move on to the, I guess, less well-known players. Michael Walters um, scoring 132. He's come, come out of the gates, basically being a top four um, forward at this rate. His hand got stood on the last couple of minutes, but he looks to be um, all right. So well done if you've uh, picked him because he's looking like an absolute ripper pick. Lockie Neal, on the other hand, people picked him as an alternative to Fife because they were the same price and thought maybe we'll go with the accumulator over the, the superstar. Um, he's scoring... Not too well. He, he's, I think he's had like a 99, 98, and a 77. So he's up there, but he's not at that 110 barrier. He's not at that top 10 midfielder level. He's getting a lot of the ball. You know, he's getting his 30 possessions every week, Chizo. But his kicking efficiency is just well down on last year, and he's not scoring particularly well. Do you think if you have Lockie Neal, should you consider trading him, or what, what do you think the go is here? I, I think you've got to have a little bit of faith with Lockie Neal. The the reason that he gets more attention in the accumulation type games, say a a Dream Team or AFL Fantasy, is because he gets a lot of the ball, but he's not much, he doesn't have as much impact with the game. So he's picked up 29 touches. He's had five marks, uh, 13 contested possessions. He's had seven clearances. He's ticking all the right boxes, but he's got a uh, a disposal efficiency of, what, 55%. So that's always going to hurt you. You look at someone like Fife, um, who just impacts the game a little bit more. 24 contested possessions, which is is just uh, incredible. So uh, I think if you were choosing between the two, I think you... I think we now know the right answer. With Lockie Neal, for me, I think that I'd still be holding him. I think I still uh, see some potential in him. Frio are playing a little bit more of a, 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 a I guess, a fantasy-friendly kind of game style this year. They've kind of sped up um, their transition and their ball movement. So I think there's the potential for him to get some good scores. And I think we saw that last year where 
he kept his, his dream team dropped and he lost um, about 10 points per game off his average. But his, his super coach stayed about the same uh, as the previous year because he had a few games where he hit a 150 or a 160 and it just kind of pumped his average up a little bit. It kind of masked how much he had dropped in the 12-month span since the previous season. So he's kind of still going at his 2017 performance. We're just kind of seeing the super coach scores come back to the field. I think... Um, that's that average will get bumped up as soon as he has one of these games where he puts out a 150, which is what we've seen him do. So um, I still think that we can uh, have some faith in Lockie Neal. And at this stage, he's so unique um, that you're only going to be trading one of your unique options to someone that uh, everyone has potentially anyway. So you're not going to be catching them because you're taking one less um, unique option out of your side. So you, you've already missed the points on the, the players that you don't have. So I do like Lockie Neal um, continuing to be a, a unique, but we do need to see some better um, better disposal efficiency, I think, Pistol. I guess uh, the next player I want to talk about, Nick Holman. We were a bit worried that he wasn't going to uh, last more than a couple of weeks going into the season, but scores of 96, 92 and 82, we can be pretty confident that he's going to be sticking around for a while longer. Yeah, definitely. I mean, an 82 after his hot start as well just means he's going to be making money, which is all we want, and he's good enough to have on the field when our like bench rookies haven't been performing particularly well. It's great to see he he just does enough every week. You know, he gets low teens of possessions, but he tackles well. He's always up there in the pressure acts. You know, he just does his role every week. So while he's doing that. Um, while, you know, Pierce Hanley copped another shoulder injury. I mean, these players are getting injured. You know, he does his thing. He's probably not the one that's going to be dropped. So I'm pretty happy with Nick Holm at the moment, as everyone else would be. But Chizo, there's so many more Fremantle players to talk about. We can't just cut out there. We've got to go back. We've got to go back to the back line. Luke Ryan, he's looking like possibly being a top six defender this year. What are your thoughts on him and his game? Well, there's a lot of options that you can pick through uh, the back line. I think a lot of people this year thought that Nathan Wilson was going to be the go-to um, with his di- his great disposal by foot. But Luke Ryan, we said in the preseason, particularly after his preseason games, he's playing a really, really f- uh, friendly role. He's taking those intercepts. He's uh, being used uh, very, very frequently coming out of the back 50. He's got a, a really, really good uh, role that we want to see. I think top six is a little bit of a stretch. I know like he's strung three really good games together, which we're really, really happy about. He's averaging 104. So uh, great job if you started him. I still think at this stage that he's going to be upgraded at some point, uh, and I, I wouldn't be rushing to get him in again. This is one we probably need to see some a lot more exposed form to see that he's going to be better than the Yos. He's going to be better than the Hibbards, um, who could bounce back. So uh, I wouldn't be moving heaven and earth to get him in, but I, I think he's going to be a fantastic, uh, fantastic selection. Um, a couple of rookie options we should touch on with uh, Frio as well. Banfield has been great. He's been making us a little bit a uh, cash. I don't. Uh, he he played a, a tagging role on Aaron Hall kept him to 21 points and uh, played that role fantastically. We know that Ross loves his role players that just, you know, do everything for the team and don't worry about themselves and their performance. So he's going to be in that team for a while longer. Uh, Mitchie Crowden has been uh, fantastic already. He's only in, uh, he's on the bubble this week. He pistol 117K minus 31 break even. If for some reason you do need a mid or a forward this week uh, for someone that might be out or injured, uh, looking at a Barry, he might be dropped. Looking at uh, Liam Ryan that's injured, uh, he's one that we could potentially be looking at is probably one of our better options. The last guy that I do want to touch on, I watched a lot of this game and I was really, really disappointed with uh, Ang- uh, sorry Andrew Brayshaw. 
he just didn't seem like that he'd turned up to play. I'm not sure how much he caught of this game, Pistol, but... He was doing half efforts. He was getting frustrated. He wasn't getting the ball. He'd uh, go in for a tackle and they dispose of it and he'd just walk away, no second effort. He just looked really frustrated that the game wasn't going his way. And there's just like this, uh, it just looked like a little um, mental issue that, he, you know, he's he's played so well up until this point, and he wasn't sure why it wasn't going his way. And I think um, that's something he's going to be learning as a young player. The worry for me, he's put up thirty-two on the weekend, making his break-even thirty-three. He could, on his performance, he could even potentially lose his spot, knowing Ross Lyon. So I'm a little bit worried about Pistol. What? How did you see his performance? Yeah, I mean, the same as you. Uh, he, he literally barely rocked up to play. He only played 61% time on ground. He didn't get much game time at all. And with performances like that, you have to worry because you don't know what the right thing to do is. You put them back in the waffle and maybe that's a, a mental thing. You know, they, Then they feel worse about themselves, but then they rack up 25, 30 touches in the waffle, You know, come back confident in the game and, and do their job. Um, I'm not sure what the right call is here, but hopefully for Supercoach and our sakes, um, they continue to play him, and he can just perform based on how his JLT scoring, um, how we thought he would score based on the JLT scoring when he scored, you know, 97 and 87, I think it was. Um, he's someone that I'm not really willing to trade out because as soon as you trade him out, you're you're copying, you you're saying, okay, I got it wrong, and I'm moving on now to an option, and I'm just going to cop the one trade loss, and I feel like someone like Paddy Dow, who never showed that he had good scoring potential, I'd be okay with doing that. But Brayshaw, we know, scored so well in the JLT. I just feel very uncomfortable trading him out, even though he is scoring poorly at the moment, because it only takes one game where he scores 90, and he's like, all right, I can do this. I'm back on here. And then if he scores, you know, a 90 and a couple of 60s, then he's he's going to make you 100K. So... I don't know if I should... It depends. Maybe Ross Lyon will drop him and my, my decision will be made. But he's someone that I'm planning at this stage on holding. I could give him all the way to the buy and just trade all the other players, um, hoping that he makes me eventually this 100K. Maybe it's more of hope rather than uh, anything else. But I feel like he's good enough to be able to do it. So a um, bit disappointing how he's playing so far, but I have a lot of faith in him and think he'll come right, Chizo. Yeah, seven possessions at 42% disposal efficiency with a clanger in there. So um, definitely not his best game. Uh, we'll jump straight into the next one, Sydney versus the Giants. This game's always fantastic. Uh, Battle of the Bridge, but I'm not sure any of them have actually seen the bridge living out west. Um, Johnny Patton putting up 159, interestingly, after getting dropped in the Keeper League pistol. But we won't mention that. Imagine if you dropped him in a Keeper League and he came out in 150 the, uh, the next week. He's uh, opposing Callum Sinclair, 152. <laughs> <laughs> the first person a person that's probably got fantasy relevance for us, Canelio, just absolutely smashing the lights out, 124, average of 124.3, break even of 53. If you don't have him, you've missed the boat. He is just going great guns, and he's literally looking like a top 10 midfielder at this stage. At this stage, yes. But I did think given the early um, easy run for GWS, I know Swans are hardly an easy run, but um, the rest of the games are quite easy i thought he would average uh, very high and he has so far it's just about possibly dropping off after this um easy run but look he's playing actually unbelievably well and he's kicking a lot of goals so maybe he will sustain it for the rest of the year who knows but chizo quickly before we go on to um the next playing question which bridge do you think they're talking about when they're talking about the battle of the bridge uh the sydney harbour bridge <laughs> 
I only ask because I get this question so many times. It's not the Battle of Sydney Arbor Bridge. It's Battle of the, the Anzac Bridge. Um, it's a bridge that connects the west of Sydney. Uh, to... You're kidding. <laughs> no, it's an actual proper battle of the bridge it's just not the sydney harbour bridge that everybody expects it to be so uh, fun facts for you and probably can, nearly can every other listener climb the out bridge? There. can you can you can you climb the anzac bridge at least can you do like you know take your gopro and put one of those fancy overalls on and zip line up there you know, or is it just like something that just like crosses over a little creek yeah no, it's not like a little creek it's uh <laughs> it's just it's it's not even that big of body of water like you drive on the bridge and you're probably <laughs> off it in like Two and a half minutes. It's not like a massive bridge, but it's still a bridge. Um, I two and a half minutes on really a bridge. Amusing. That's huge. <laughs> well, I mean, how can I judge bridge size? It's a pretty niche thing to be able to tell you, mate. Um, you, you're an engineer. You know these kind on of the things. Speed. Is it a big bridge? Is it a small bridge? What's how the fast velocity? Are we going? What's the vector? <laughs> you know, what compass bearing are we going on? We'll move on to the next thing because this is getting out of hand. Uh, one guy that we were hoping that was going to have a slow start to the year, unlike Canelio, is Isaac Heaney. He's averaging 106.3. Do we admit that we got this one wrong and we should have started in pistol? Well, he went up a hundred dollars, Chizo. So what does that tell you? <laughs> Or you can get him for the same price? You, well, he's performing as he expected. So we were wrong in that uh, we thought he would drop. But it's not like he's had an incredibly hot start in which it's now hard to get him as well. He hasn't changed price because he's scoring to the dollar expected. If you've got a replacement that is also scoring maybe better than they expect and have gone up in price, then you've still probably um, got more value out of that selection than if you got Heaney. But at the end of the day, you're going to need to get Heaney in because he's looking like he's going to be averaging 100. So Heaney will enter everyone's side at some stage of the season. Um, so if you start with him, you obviously don't have to worry about organizing the trades and the funds to get him in. But yes, he didn't drop as we'd expected, which was a bad call. But he's definitely not blowing anyone out of the water with these scores and making it impossible to get like um, the other Swans forward who came out absolutely blistering and has gone up 20K. Buddy Franklin just looks absolutely unreal this season, Chizo. Yeah, I... I would. He's someone that we definitely need to get in. I think we kind of saw the the start to the season. We saw his age. We kind of uh, ignorantly thought that you know maybe he uh, it might take a little bit of time to get started, being a, a more of a, a mobile key forward. Just you know warm the uh, the old knee joints, the synovial fluid, get that that ticking over. But he's just come out absolutely firing. And it, the funny thing is, he's averaging one hundred and twenty two point seven. He's still got to break even one hundred and forty one. So he's probably still going to even lose cash this week. So he's not going to be pr- uh, changing in price either. So again, we were expecting these Sydney forwards not to uh, you know increase in price while we were starting the season with someone else. Uh, someone else that's losing it a bit of price, another premium, Josh Kelly here. I think that Canelio is maybe impacting uh, his uh, influence on the game here a little pistol. Pistol. He's only put up, uh, he's not put up poor scores, but we're not seeing those, uh, you know, 35 touches, six goal efforts or some his ridiculous performances that he had last year. He's kind of just ticking along being that Rolls Royce, uh, influencing the game at key points, but he's not really uh, uh, being that number one cog in the midfield. Should we uh, expect him to drop a little bit more? Well, he did kick zero goals three, so he could have painted a different picture if that was three goals zero, but not really. I mean, Josh Kelly last year pretty much scored between 95 and like 110 
every single week. And then like three or four weeks, he scored like 170. So he was just a super consistent dude who just had these massive games. And that's what we paid for. We just wanted someone who we knew wouldn't drop that much in price. Um, and I don't think Josh Kelly will drop too much in price as well. I mean, he's still 608K. He might drop 20K or so, but I doubt he's going to be someone that gets to below you know, 550. He's always going to be close to that 600K mark. And he'll just chug along and you know, eventually he's going to have that massive game where he comes out and he scores 170 and he'll go back to his 105, 106, then 170 and he's just going to rinse and repeat for the rest of the year. And obviously Swans uh, is probably, in my opinion, the hardest assignment at the SCG that you could possibly have. So um, I'll let him slide for his 91 this week and we'll see how he goes uh, eventually against a Jacobs tag. But yeah, Swans probably the hardest for him this week and the next couple of weeks easier draw i'm expecting big things from all this all the gws players yeah so uh finlayson was good again uh, 77 great uh, for those that had him on on your field um at the very worst a 77 isn't uh, the worst thing you can worry about Shaw came back to the field after a couple 110s he's put up a 69 um, I'm not really sure we, we what to expect from Heath because we're getting both ends of the spectrum with him again, Pistol. It's something that we touched on in the preseason. We're going to have the weeks where he's going to be, you know, 2015 sure, then you're going to have your 2017 sure. It, it, it's it's hard to predict it at, at any given day. Uh, Luke Parker was solid again. He started quite well. There's a, a, a few 10% of coaches that started him. 112.3 to start the season is something that's really, really good. Um, will you have anyone else to touch on in this game here, Pistol? I think that pretty much wraps uh, wraps everyone up. I, I guess Lockie Whitfield, 64, was the only letdown. There's uh, 5% of teams that still have him. 97.7 is still a you know a decent start for him, but uh, I, I said uh, all along that we shouldn't be expecting 110 from Whitfield for the entirety of the season. Yeah, I mean, look, as I said, hard hard team to play against. He'll bounce back in the next couple of weeks, so don't stress about it. See how he goes and make an assessment or judgment call around his bye. Um, no one else really touched on. Jacob Hopper had an influence on Tim Taranto, as we had expected, and Taranto dropped away. We'll see who is named next week, but yeah, not... I mean, Taranto's a rookie, essentially. Um, not the first-year rookie, but second-year rookie, and he's going to have good games, going to have bad games, going to be inconsistent. If you got him in expecting 100 average, that's probably just only Clayton Oliver's going to do that. No one else is really looking at doing that. So, yeah, Taranto, you kind of get what you expect, and easy games will do well. Hard games you might do poorly. Um, just ride it out. Trade him out when you've got someone else that's dropped a lot in value, and um, you can just take the, the Tim Taranto money that he's uh, increased and just trade him to that, that lower price player. But let's move on to the, the Saints-Crows game, Chizo. Yeah, Saints Crows. I think we we've seen what happens when a contested football team in St Kilda meets a really really classy outfit in Adelaide. Bryce Gibbs has been a little bit sneaky in his performance over uh, the start of the year, but not surprising to me. Pistol, he's put up 121 to start the year. The thing was that in wins when he played at Carlton, he averaged 116 or something like that. I, I remember from the preseason. So he scores when the team's going well, and if you're moving to Adelaide, who's just come off a grand final, you're probably going to score just as well. So the six percent of teams that have started with Bryce Gibbs, you know, that's a really good move. We saw Rory Laird put up another ton just being Rory. Uh, Dode 85. Just I don't think we've had so many rookies, rookie price players we can just feel, have so much confidence to field on the ground. You've got um, Finlayson and uh, Murray, particularly in the back line, like uh, our back line is going to be the last place that we upgrade Pistol because these guys are just going to keep making cash right up to the buys. 
there's at no stage do, do I see that we're going to be um, forced to upgrade someone in the back line or have to short someone to get them uh, to a premium because they're just playing fantastically, playing their role, scoring well. And I think we're going to be upgrading our forwards, our rucks and our, our midfielders before even worrying about the back line. That's something I don't think has happened from memory for me before. Yeah, I can't remember that ever happening either. And you've got Bonner down there doing well. It's actually insane. And the problem is, as soon as you trade one of them, I mean, you've got another good guy coming off the bench, depending on your structure. So um, we've been very spoilt for choice down back. So in this game, though, Chizo, there's some other options. There's uh, Lockie Murphy. He's now played his third game, gone up quite a lot, has a very low break even. He looks like an excellent uh, pick now that's made a lot of money. With the uh, upcoming selections um, returning this week, do you think that he is going to hold his spot in the side? I think he's playing his role. Again, coaches really like players that play their role. Obviously, Adelaide being a contender, there's going to be challenge for spots. If he continues to play exactly the way that Don Pike wants him to, there's absolutely no reason that he won't keep his spot. He's not going to be your high scorer. He's not someone that I would expect the next, to play the next six games straight. He's going to miss a game at some point, particularly being a rookie. I mean, he was a late in to begin with. Um, for Tom Lynch through an injury. So there's the potential as soon as we've got everyone back that he is going to miss a game. But uh, with a break even of negative 52, I think there's only upwards for Lockie Murphy. I wouldn't be going chasing him at this point, particularly because of all the defender uh, rookies that we do have to pick from anyway. Sloan was a little disappointing with uh, 78. He started the season with 102, but he is going to drop a little bit more cash and uh, yeah, he's he's not really looking like that 110, 115 premium that we're expecting he might be this year with the addition of Gibbs. Gibbs seems to be uh, kind of stealing a little bit, uh, a few points. Well, over on the Saints side of things, uh, one fantasy prospect that we can be happy with, happy with is Shane Savage here, Pistol. Starting the year with 103 average, it's really kind of, uh, it's what we expected after seeing his preseason role. His first couple of games, he did play a little bit uh, more loose in the back, uh, uh, sorry, close checking in the back on. Round three, you saw him play loose and he just racked up the points and you'd be absolutely loving it if you were one of the 12% that have him in your side. Yeah, that's exactly right. And this is, he's capable of big scores as a defender. He has a nice ceiling, which is why a lot of people start him. He also kicked zero goals too. So this score could have been even larger. And if you've selected him, look, he's looking exactly like he's going to be a top six defender. So uh, good job on those selecting him. And Chizo, what about this guy? He's come from absolutely nowhere. Blake Akers. He is scoring unbelievably well at the moment, a 97 on the weekend. He is listed as a forward midfielder as well. So you can get him in the forward, although he does have that awkward round 14 bye. Can Akers keep it up for the rest of the season? Is he someone that is worthwhile getting? He's now averaging 110 and is priced at 450k. Or is he kind of like in that Hogan mold of like you're not you might need to wait it out and see if he can maintain it for longer what are your thoughts on Blake Akers I'm definitely on the way the wait and see for Akers I think uh, Richo came out in the preseason and said you know look out for Blake Akers the midfielder this year so uh, selectable as a forward that's um, that, that's fantastic obviously starting with the 110 average He's racking up a lot of possessions, which is what I really like. I think in the the years previous, he was playing across the half forward. He's definitely playing a lot more through the midfield now, which uh, I really, really like. I, I think there's a lot of players that start the year 
and you know we open our eyes and just see dollar signs and think oh these points are going to be fantastic again you don't want to be chasing points you need, you need to be sure that he's going to continue that role so if if he's going to average 100 for the year then I'd be going after him at this stage I I, I am definitely a little more wait and see and you've got to think that at this stage of the season we're not ready to upgrade yet we're not ready we haven't got uh, enough money from our rookies or our underpriced players to even be thinking about upgrading yet you would be taking a punt if um, one of your forwards or your midfielders got injured and you went to Blake Akers so um I'm more than happy to sit back and, and watch some exposed form because during the year we are going to see players that are going to be top six in their position, top ten in their position that we didn't expect. And Blake Akers could be de- uh, could be one of them, Pistol. 100%. And someone that we did think was going to be in the top six forwards this year who isn't really acting like it, Jack Billings played a very much a forward-only role with minimal um, pushing up the ground. Is this something we have to be worried about, Chizo? Or do you think that it's just the same as last year? A bit of a slow start, and then he just churned out the hundreds every single week. I mean, Saints have to do something. They're losing games. They need to spice things up. Do you think that spice could be playing Billings a bit higher up in the ground, giving the kid a bit more midfield time and scoring better? The only problem with Jack Billings, I know he's inaccurate in front of goal, but if you take him out of the forward line, then they really... The Saints look like they lack venom in the forward line. And so when you've got someone as good as Jack Billings, the temptation is to play them forward. So I can understand why he is playing forward. And I was a little bit worried about it to start the season. It's hard with St Kilda because they don't have many genuine superstars in their team and he's one that you think can be one. It's just a matter of kind of uh, progressing him to uh, a stage where he can start to dominate games. He's not quite at that situation yet. I think he is going to play more forward than midfield this year because they do have a lot more people like a Nunes and a Dunstan and a Ross and a Sinclair and these kind of guys that do run through the midfield and on wings and stuff like that that don't have the forward impact that Jack Billings has. That's the problem because he does, they don't have anyone. If they take Jack Billings out, who do they put in there that can kick goals for them? That's the problem. So um, that that's the only worry for me because when he plays uh, almost as a bona fide midfielder, he's ridiculous in his scoring potential and his ability to impact games, but he's not kicking it to anyone. So uh, once their forward line starts functioning, they get these tools to you know start clunking some marks, start kicking some goals, um, getting some form into Josh Bruce and Paddy McCartan and these kind of guys, then they can allow to go him up the, uh, up the field. But right now, I think he's going to be stuck uh, more across the half forward, and that's something that uh, is really, really worrying me. Uh, one one thing that I was actually uh, really happy about on the weekend is that Nick Caulfield finally got his debut here, Pistol, putting up 66, pretty much what we expect from the bloke. He's a uh, defender midfielder, taken out at the last second of uh, preseason from my side when uh, he wasn't going to get a round one berth when I'm sure he was. I just wish he could have come a couple of rounds later, Pistol, because I have a feeling that we're going to be jumping on Caulfield in a few weeks and the rookie that we sideways to him is only going to make us 50K. Or worse, we're going to have to upgrade to him if we have a defender that um, someone like Norton who's no even guarantee to go up 50K. Um, so, yeah, it's not someone that I really would like to upgrade to, but... It sounds like if we do jump on him, we're not going to be making so much cash. So still a wait and see on his scoring potential because if he's going to score just 60 every week, he won't really make too much money. So um, I will wait and see, but he did look really good. So I'm I'm pretty confident. And obviously Adelaide is a very, very tough opponent. Um, Chizo, how about we jump into the game that kind of uh, 
put a dampen on both of our weeks, the Richmond versus <laughs> Hawthorne game. You had to touch on it, didn't you? I was just going to slide on past and just be like, uh, uh, Dusty Martin, you know, he only put up a 93. Oh, that's disappointing for owners that have him. Yeah. Captain him. It, 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 it really, really was for those that VC'd or, or captained him on. You know, not mentioning any names, those that VC Dusty and Captain Gaz. You know, uh, some people just happen to have done that, not mentioning any names. Uh, but Titch, uh, I guess we should start there. 149. Cochin probably got the three votes in this game, but he's still probably on eight Brownlow votes at the end of round three. He's just gone to the next level. And Buckley said it before, oh, we don't tag Titch because he doesn't impact the game. He is impacting games. He is influencing games. He is kicking goals. He's in the top echelon of midfielders in the game right now, not just in Supercoach. And he almost got Hawthorne over the line in that last quarter when they made that surge. If you don't have him... We, you're going to miss out on him very, very quist, uh, quickly, Pistol. I would be getting him at every cost at this form. Yeah, look, the bloke's got 54 touches, 40 touches, and 42 touches. There's only two <laughs> Hawks here that have actually tunned up in this game, the other being Jaeger. There's no one that really even steals points from him. He just does everything. He carries the side on his back, and I just see him scoring really well for the entire season. And as JB likes to call him, Mr. Consistent, he doesn't drop in price either. So if you don't have him, I'd be working out a way to get him into my team really, really quickly. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. There's there's literally no one that is taking points off him, off him pistol. Uh, his role is never going to change. Uh, someone that I didn't expect their role to change on a week-to-week basis, basis, Dusty Martin played almost exclusively as a full forward this week, Pistol. They, uh, Hawthorne sent uh, Daniel Howe to him early, and it's almost like Dimmer got completely scared and were like, oh, Martin, go forward, you know, protect yourself. He's the he's a Brownlow medalist for God's sake. He is going to blow Howe out of the water. Stick him in the midfield and just watch him shred. I don't know why they were so scared to play him in the midfield on the weekend pistol. Something that um, really really frustrates me. Kane Lambert has been another letdown uh, week seventy two. Only starting the season with a sixty four. I'd be cutting all losses at this stage. Pistol. Um, there's not a whole lot of things to mention from this game. The only one that I do want to talk about is Jack Higgins. 63, two goals on debut. He looks like a brilliant prospect in uh, in a couple of rounds that we should be getting on. Yeah, he definitely does. But it was a bit, I guess, worrying that in the first quarter and last quarter, he basically, I think he got one possession in those two quarters. So um, in quarters three and four, sorry, two and three, though, is when he did all of his scoring. So um, if he's going to score in bunches, that's great. It's just if he can do it across four quarters, that would be even better. But he's someone, he scored 63 in his first game. He's someone to watch. He's got that DPP. He's cheap. Um, he's someone I'm really looking forward to bringing into my team. And if he performs, he'll get games. But obviously, you've got Rioli and you've got a couple of those same similar type Richmond players that could all come in um, at any time. But, you know, he, he did, I guess, outperform Sam Lloyd. So um, we'll see how he goes in the next week. And we can make a judgment call on if his name's in round three, Chizo. Yeah, and uh, we'll jump into the next game because there's not much uh, Supercoach relevance from uh, the Richmond Hawthorne and that aspect. Devin Smith, top scoring uh, for Essendon with 83, uh, sorry, 86. Uh, good without being brilliant. The uh, the Doggies definitely had the caffeine uh, tabs before the start of the game. They just came out full of energy, full of run. Hunter, Williams, McRae, Bont, McLean, Dalhouse, Wallace, Daniel. There's just stacks of tons. 
the worrying thing for me and, and for Bontempelli owners is that he was literally their full forward for basically the whole game, and he wasn't being tagged. So um, that's the, the a worrying thing for me in that aspect. Uh, Jack McRae has just been taking game, his game to the next level, 131. Your boy, Toby McLean, 115 uh, pistol. You'd be absolutely loving the Sicily to uh, McLean trade in the last week. <laughs> Yes, yes, put it on the line. I know JB did that and I did not. But it is it is frustrating that he's calling him his boy because <laughs> in the preseason predictions, he said Sicily to go 95+, plus, which I did agree with. And then I said McLean to go 95+, plus, uh, which he did agree with. But that that's my call that now is uh, going to JB is his credit. So I hope you're listening, JB, and realize that it was on my Twitter. People can see my first post mentions McLean going 95 plus. It's, you can't take this credit. Um, but I didn't start him, so I guess credit where credit's due. If you started <laughs> McLean yourself, um, he's a great POD. He's absolutely dominating. He's scoring well. Luke Dahlhouse has been a bit up and down, but he played you know more of the midfield and forward role like usual, but he actually got more of the ball. 31 possessions, um, 113 points, which is fantastic. I will say, though, that Bontempelli owners... Um, he did play forward, but Redpath failed. Um, sorry, not Redpath. It was... Who was it? <laughs> the two outs. Um, Trengrove and Roughhead were out this week, and they just lacked talls. Um, so he kind of had to play a bit more forward. They, I think in, they'll, they'll be back. Um, they have to restructure because Cordy also, I believe, got suspended for a week. So they're just down on talls at the moment. All the talls are being thrown all over the ground. Eastern Wood's being thrown all over the ground. They'll figure it out. But at the moment, Bont, just because of his actual size of being taller than the rest of his teammates, as they do have quite a short midfield, he's being thrown around um, the ground as well just because of he has to fill, fill in wherever there's, there's spaces. But um, Chizu's second game, Ed Richards, scored 81 and looked completely comfortable in defense. Um, 135K, he's got a low break even. Tell me, what is the downside of jumping on somebody like Ed Richards? There's not. There's not much downside. He, the the thing about Ed Richards and and the thing that we see with say like a Sam Murray is his disposal efficiency is just pristine. Seventy percent uh, disposal efficiency in your second game. He uh, he put on five tackles. Um, he's getting a few contested possessions. He he's just uh, he, he just looks like the uh, the the back flanker that every club is looking for. He looks like he's going to be an absolute superstar um, and, and someone that is going to be playing uh, very important roles for the Bulldogs in the future. So um, at his price, I think there's absolutely no reason why you wouldn't be jumping on him if you needed him. The problem is being a defender that um, there's not a whole lot of room for him at the moment. Maybe, and this is going at a bit of a stretch, you could argue going in Norton to Richards because of Richards' higher scoring potential, but even I wouldn't be advocating that at this stage. (laughs) Um, Because of the rookie situation in the back line is so good, I don't think we we really, I, I think he's just one that we're going to miss. So, so if he, if he, what about yeah. doing something like Dom Barry to him, to Ed Richards via Finlayson DPP and getting Finlayson in your midfield? Or I guess Finlayson might be stuck on your bench then. But is it something that you think would be worthwhile doing in the long run? Or does it hurt your scoring potential on field too much? I mean, that that's an option. I, I don't think we want to have Finlayson on our midfield bench where he does have good scoring potential and he's he's uh, will be missing out on his points 
if Barry is out, because of the three rookies in the, the midfield, you're probably going to be able to cover him. So um, I wouldn't be rushing him out after making 35 grand or whatever he made in his first price jump. So um, I, I think he's just going to be one that we're missing out just because of the timing. Usually in round three, we're not, you know, the start of round four, we're not ready to upgrade any of these guys yet. If you've made a horrible mistake with one of your picks, you don't have uh, a Murray or a Finlayson, you, you can't get them for price-wise or whatever, that is when I'd be uh, kind of going after an Ed Richards. But I, I, I can't really see a situation right now where you would be needing to get him in or um, a, a gap in your team where you, you don't have covered with a rookie already. Well, I just realized something whilst talking to you. Mark O'Connor, um, who has haunted me every week for the first three weeks, has DPP. <laughs> What about you could be trading out Brayshaw for Ed Richards by putting Mark O'Connor into your midfield, then you still play Finlayson on the field, you make you know 80 or so K, and you get the best of both worlds because you get rid of Brayshaw and you get Ed Richards into your side. How about that option? <laughs> well, I said I couldn't think of a situation. You thought of the situation, so I'm going to give you all the points for that. Bravo. <laughs> well, Thank you well very done, much. I'll be here all week. You- just just find a situation that I need to cover that just thumbs up. Great job. Uh, someone what that's not doing Zach a great Merritt, job right though? now is Zach Merritt. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> a break-even of 158. He's obviously got the knock from Douglas in the second quarter of round two, which concussed him. He's going to be having some lingering concussion effects uh, you would expect from the numerous hits he's had over the preseason. He got knocked out in January or something like that at a preseason training as well. So it's not uh, beyond comprehension why he's scoring this way. They also sent some attention to him this week. Um, the doggies uh, not tagged him, but kind of had someone run with him for the majority of the game, which is uh, not something you want as an outside midfielder in Zach Merritt. So um, it's very easy to negate an outside midfielder as opposed to an inside midfielder. So the only really thing I can see is that if you've got him, you're kind of stuck with him. I wouldn't be jumping off at this stage because when he comes good, he's going to be going 115 for, you know, two, three, four months at a time. So um, I think you've just got to ride it out, Pistol. What do you think? Well, you can't really afford someone good at 515K either. So if you're trying to bring someone in, you're paying, you know, 100K to get a primo. And as you said, Zach Merritt's probably most likely going to come good at some stage throughout the season. And even if you've got to work him um, at the end of the season to your, your M9, that's, that's also an option. But surely he's too good of a player He's, he's done so well in the last two seasons. He's too good a play to suddenly, you know, average 70. So I'll give you one situation in which case I think it might be worthwhile trading. Otherwise, I'd be holding under any circumstance. If you miss Caniglio, who is cheaper than Zach Merritt, that might be the only player in which case I would consider trading Merritt to. But other than that, I can't really um, think of a, another situation which where I would be trading Merritt. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. That, that. That's a really good point. If you don't have Cornelio, then I, uh, as we said, he's looking like a top 10 mid at this stage. So uh, I'd have no dramas jumping into that. Uh, we're running a little bit low on time here, mate. I think that pretty much covers the, uh, the Essendon Doggies game. We'll jump into the last round of the game. Uh, game of the round. Uh, West Coast it is going a long way. Uh, West Coast and Geelong. <laughs> uh, Geelong basically just rang out of the uh, cattle and uh, just got run over the top with the fresh legs by the West Coast. The biggest news coming out of this, uh, for me, Pistol, is Gary Ablett doing the hamstring. We just needed him to get through 20 minutes and then maybe one more week, and then he was a straight swap to danger. 
that 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 was, that was the whole plan this whole time. Get four weeks out of him, wait for Danger to drop 100k, and then you can pick him up as he's starting to come into form. But without Gaz, Danger should be playing a little bit more midfield next week, and uh, we could be picking him up pretty cheap, even if he does go 140. Well, that's it. He basically now has a break even of, you know, 218. He's going to drop, you know, 50, 60, 70K, depending on how he goes next week. But they do play down at the Cattery. They do play Saints, who have just been leaking massive scores. This could be, you know, a 180 game for Danger. He might not drop as much as people are expecting. I'm, I'm thinking big things for Dangerfield this week, especially if Duncan is still out and Gaz is out. You know, they're going to be relying on him and Selwood. It's now down to like a two-man midfield from from, you know, the best four-person midfield of all time. This is the time where people who don't have Dangerfield, these coming weeks, in the next four or so weeks, this is the worrying time for them because these are the games he's now going to be playing a lot of home games at the Cattery where he could absolutely explode. And after halftime last week, he looked unbelievable. But in the first half, I think he was on like 36 at halftime. And he didn't hit a, He hit one target out of his first seven possessions or something like that. But yeah, this is the time. I'm pumped up. I'm, I'm feeling it. He's going to go big. But if you don't have him, he's going to drop, as I said, 50, 60K most likely. I don't know if you can get him this week. It's such a tough, tough decision, Chizo. Your, your Gaz plan was nearly perfect. You need to last <laughs> one more week and he would have gone well. But now they've got Guthrie out. Cockatoo got injured. Gaz got injured. I mean, that's a lot of injuries. Hopefully, someone like Mark O'Connor is going to come in, so get me even more pumped up. And Tim Kelly is going to get that midfield time that he um, has been getting, and because of all the injuries, he's going to get even more midfield time. So this dude's going to be scoring big tons at the uh, at the Cattery as well. So I'm just super pumped for all these Geelong players doing well, Chizo. There's a couple of winners out of the uh, Geelong injuries. Um, I think we we talked about Lockie Fogarty the other day that we might end up missing him because it's just not the right time. We don't have enough mistakes that we need him to fix. But uh, he's gone up uh, 60k already. Negative 13 break even. He had a 70 on the weekend. He's not. We I, I didn't pick him up thinking that he was probably going to lose his spot in the next two or three weeks. We weren't going to make 150k off him. Uh, without Gaz, uh, they're going to send a couple of the forward guys into the mid uh, midfield. He's going to keep his spot, so he's going to keep making money. So that's definitely one we missed if we uh, if you didn't get him. Tim Kelly only had 12 about halfway through the second quarter, and we're all panicking because he was on our ground. I think he had like something like 30 at three quarter time. Um, and he just pumped out with a, 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 a fantastic final quarter, kicking a goal, putting him in front, um, and another 90. He, we've seen his uh, football ability, and I think at this point we can't doubt that he's just going to be a fantastic player for the Cats. Um, Sam Menegola, for those that did start him, were getting a little bit worried, but the injury to Gaz, missing Duncan, who should uh, come back this week, it looks like he's going to be playing a little bit more midfield um, compared to what he was getting at the start of the season. We saw 128 from him on the weekend. I would be uh, kind of just feeling a little bit more relieved here, Pistol, on Sam Minigola front, uh, just because of the injuries. Once they've got a full quota of midfielders, he does probably play a little bit more across the half forward. But right now, um, there's a few people that uh, are either wishing uh, they had held him or thankful <laughs> that they held him at this stage. Uh, I think nearly everyone last week who had him probably used corrective trade on getting rid of him because he looked like he was going to be falling like massively in price. And he did fall 30K, so... 
He did have a big fall, but it wasn't that bad. He scored 128. I think they'll be kicking themselves now. Maybe long-term will be okay. But yeah, the next couple of weeks is going to be really, really painful um, for owners who did trade him out. But Chizo, let's go to the West Coast Eagles side. Um, There's a couple of rookies here that we probably should talk about, especially um, we'll start with the one who was injured. Liam Ryan scored 88. It looks like he may have broken his ankle while trying to soccer through that final goal. How long would he have to be out for for you to consider to trade him? Um, well, this this is a thing because are you going to trade out a guy that's got a negative eighty eight break even? If you can cover him, like it, the, the temptation is just to keep him on your field. Like yes, he's going to be out um, potentially for a month to six weeks to however long it is. Again, right now at the recording of the podcast, we don't have the exact. Um, results of the x-rays or the ct scan that he had so uh we do have to wait for results but it sounds like he's going to uh be out for at least a month i'm kind of on the front of keeping him just because of that amount of money he's going to make that's clearly that west coast want him when you've got someone that's going to make you seventy thousand dollars the next game he plays like just by turning up it's hard to make an argument for me to uh, to trade him out if you can cover him and just leave him at f8 for a month or so, then I see no dramas with that at this stage, Pistol. But um, he's got the scoring potential. Uh, he's impacting games. It's just the injury front that's hurting us all. If you had Zach Langdon um, and Liam Ryan, I'd probably almost argue um, in that situation you get rid of the Zach Langdon first, Pistol, just because, again, as soon as uh, you know they're both coming back from broken bones, um, they won't be too far away from each other if... Um, uh, for when they both come back into the team. And Liam Ryan's probably got a better role than Zach Langdon does anyway. So in that situation, if you're like me that has both of those, I'd be probably looking to get Zach Langdon out. Um, another rookie that we should talk about, Dan Venables, Pistol. You're a big lover of this guy. Um, 23 <laughs> on your field. You must be uh, absolutely ecstatic. Hey, uh, that is not overly correct. Uh, big fan, maybe not the biggest fan. Um, 23 is very poor. He's got a break-even of four. So he's not certain to make it this week, but it is likely <laughs> that he will make it this week. Um, he just doesn't look like he's going to make us very much money. I'm not really sure. It feels like someone that you just leave on your bench and you hope hope one day he pulls out of 70. And you get rid of him, you know, two weeks after that. And you're like, yes, finally, it, it happens. I've been waiting for this moment. But at the same time, do you trade him out knowing he's probably only got another 20, 30K in him? Or do you trade someone like Liam Ryan out? I guess it depends on the injury. If, if Ryan's out for, you know, five plus weeks, you'd probably be looking to trade him. But if he's not, um, and you have to cut somebody maybe next week if you're trying to get Jack Higgins, it'd be tempting. We'll see what happens, but it'd be, it definitely would be tempting to get rid of someone like um, Daniel Venables. Willie Rioli, however, is another player that's on the bu- bubble, but he also has a positive break-even. It's not a great sign when your scoring potential is so poor that you've got a positive break-even when you're on the bubble. Um, that just means he's not going to make very much money, and he's not a particularly good scorer, and I don't really see why it would be worthwhile getting him in the trade, Chizo. But I think let's talk about this guy, the biggest yo-yo around, Elliot Yo. He was on negative one at three-quarter time. He gave away a free at the very beginning of the fourth quarter. He got down to like negative six in the last quarter of a match, coming off back-to-back tons, but then he ends up with 27. So not too bad. I mean, it's absolutely horrible, but it's great for a quarter. 
Elliot Yo, was that too early for him to have a poor game? Did we do we not have enough time to be able to take advantage of that and get him in our team? Do we even want to because the defender rookies are, are scoring so well? What's your take on Elliot Yo's performance? I hate this bloke, Pistol. I seriously do. <laughs> like he he is literally one of the worst players to own in Supercoach because in Supercoach, thankfully I don't have him, but for the seventeen percent that do, he is just one of hand on my heart my most hated players from a super coach perspective because his role changes from week to week. He was playing uh, across the back line. He was playing through midfield in rounds one and two. He was playing different roles. Then suddenly in week three against Geelong, they decide they're going to play him as a lockdown defender. I've got literally no... <laughs> danger field. Why? Why? <laughs> of all the people you can pick, you pick one of your most explosive and damaging players in your side. When you've got the likes of Chiso, you know, they won the game. They won the game. It, think about think about the two hundred thousand that play Supercoach. Guys, <laughs> just think about us. I don't I don't care about the, the result. But um, yeah, I think you're right. Twenty seven is going to help him reduce in price. He's already lost uh, forty one thousand. Projected to lose another thirty four thousand. We've just talked about the fact that we're not going to upgrade defenders until last because of all the rookies that we have in our backline. Like. Do we have to short one of these guys to get Elliot Yo because it's too good to miss? Oh, I don't know. I think I think there's going to be a lot of people that pick him back up at 550k again halfway through the year once he's rebounded because we just can't take advantage of this price drop right now. He's got a 177 break even. He's going to lose cash. But <laughs> explain to me how you're going to get him in. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. I think. It's probably going to be a solid pass from everyone on the Elliot Yo front, especially coming off at 27. You're not probably dying to grab him. But the sad thing is, this might happen again throughout the season. That's just the nature of him and him being so good at so many different positions that this is actually a possibility that it happens again at some stage in the season. It's already happened um, in three weeks, and he might score tons for the next six weeks and then score negative three. I mean, we, we don't know. It's... Too hard to predict, and I feel like at some stage in the year, you'll get a bargain with Elliot Yo. You just need to time it correctly. This game's all about trading and timing anyway. Um, so, yeah, whoever gets the right timing on Elliot Yo will call the big wins of this. But at the moment, I, I don't think we can make a move with all the defender rookies scoring so well. Yeah, uh, the last player we'll, we'll touch on, uh, I suppose uh, we should mention uh, Jack Henry has been pretty good for uh, Geelong playing as a lockdown defender, averaging 60, got a break-even of negative 46, projected to go up 50k, 124,000, selectable as a forward, he might be able to solve a few issues for us this, uh, this week, Pistol, particularly for those that have uh, the likes of Zach Langdon and Liam Ryan. Well... Lockie Henderson is only one to two weeks away. Harry Taylor can come in. I know he's been playing as a forward, but you know it gives them that flexibility to play him in the back line should they wish to do so. He, he's got that rock-solid job security for the two weeks until Henderson's back, but then you're kind of wondering what sort of role he'll be given. I'm guessing... I, I, I don't think that I would be selecting him over someone like Ed Richards. It just feels like, why risk it um, for the extra 10K? Because Ed Richards is 10K more. Um... I'd say don't do it. I mean, he scored well. He'll make quick cash, but two weeks, Lockie Anderson's probably coming back on that side, especially Geelong now that they haven't even got a winning record going into round four, which is insane. They're going to get their experienced players on the park. I think they might be cutting some of the youth um, to get you know the, the experienced players onto the field, winning the games, getting them back into finals contention because they're all over the... Well, they're all over the place at the moment, Chizo. They got, they got the best midfield in the comp and they're all injured and they're losing games. 
Yep, pretty much sums it up. <laughs> it's a it, it, it's a uh, a product of me not being around for a couple of weeks. Pistol, we plan on having a thirty-five minute podcast, and we've literally doubled that, mate. So, uh, I appreciate yeah. you. St- I appreciate you sticking around, and uh, I appreciate uh, those that have made it to the end of the podcast. It's uh, uh, I, I love that we've got so many listen listeners that are, have stuck around for us. Pistol, uh, you seem pretty much spent, mate. I think you're right to go to bed. <laughs> I pretty much am. I think we covered everything. Um, <laughs> what to do with trading? Obviously, if we missed anything, or you have a particular situation that you'd like to talk to us we did manage to get through all of the when i say we cheeso i mean i did manage to get through the entirety (laughs) of the um (laughs) inbox last week but you can uh email us at drscpod at gmail.com um i will be answering them first come first serve hopefully be able to get through all of them by lockout but if our numbers are increasing i'm not sure i'm going to be able to because we got a ridiculous amount of emails last week um, but yeah, shoot, shoot us a message if you need to. And if, uh, you need to, um, find us in other places, you can find us all on Twitter. You can find me at pistol underscore D R S C J B at J B underscore D R S C. And of course, Chizo, his back, the man, the myth, the legend, the prince, uh, you can find the prince <laughs> Chizo at Chizo underscore D R S C. Yeah. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks for the uh, shout out. They uh, they always leave the best the best till last. So uh, I I went away for two weeks, didn't do anything, and found a hundred followers. So I don't know how I've cracked the double ton out of nowhere. So uh, I pre- it must be all your pl- all, the, all the plugs uh, that you've been throwing my way. Pistol, it's uh, been fantastic to have you on. Uh, really appreciate it, mate. Yeah, oh, always welcome, and look looking forward to the next podcast. And uh, uh, hopefully you'll see me back and uh, I won't take another uh, two-week break there, community. Uh, Hopefully the luck goes our way and we'll see you for the uh, Lockout Podcast.